Hello and welcome to the Keto Man's Club podcast. We're glad you're here, where each week we talk about men's health and lifestyle. We do so with the foundation of the ketogenic diet and lifestyle. If you don't know what keto is, stick around and you'll find out. Podcast will bring you real honest fun. Each week we strive to uncover the tips and tricks that you can use in your everyday life to maximize your overall health and find the clearest path to becoming the best version of yourself that you were meant to be. Lift heavy, sleep, and repeat. We call that our life cycle. Made a shirt about it, and it rings true with who we are as a podcast and a group. We are fortunate enough to have partnered with a company who can help us achieve one of those three key elements. Some sleep. They have a keto-friendly version of their delicious sleep aid drink, and we're loving it. It's a lightly flavored, eight-ounce anti-energy drink. You drink it roughly 30 minutes before you're ready to go to sleep, and you'll feel it help you into a deep, restful, all-night sleep. It provides some helpful elements to do so, including magnesium, GABA, and melatonin. When combined, you have a powerful tool for getting the impactful sleep that you and I so frequently don't get in our technology-driven, fast-paced lives. You can find it at some retail stores, but you can also purchase it online and get it shipped to your door. When you do, use discount code TKMC10 and you'll not only be getting 10% off, but you'll be helping support the Keto Man's Club. You can find the link to their website by going to theketomansclub.com. We're thankful to Sam for partnering with us and we hope you'll benefit from the use of their product the way we have so far. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Keto Man's Club podcast. My name is Chris. I'm one of your hosts. And this week I'm joined by Jim and, oh, oh, oh wait, he's gone still. <laughs> wait, now, wait a minute. Listening. I'm having some deja vu after that, after yeah, that intro. Yeah, pretty <laughs> Yeah, pretty pretty much. Uh, for those that are, that are listening or watching now, um, we, we have moved to doing two recordings a week and kind of doing an every other week thing. And Berto is still gone. Uh, so he for for last week's episode, uh, or whenever I air Frank's episode, for that matter, uh, we we uh, we mentioned that Berto visited family up in, in Chicagoland, and he uh, just got home uh, as of the start of this recording. So he is uh, he's he's still kind of getting settled with the family and everything else. So uh, we will uh, look forward to seeing him on the next recording session, uh, which will for us be in a couple of weeks. But um, he uh, he's not with us for this episode, which is such a shame because he is such a big fan of our topic today. Uh, we have uh, just to, to tease it out a little bit. Uh, we'll we'll dive in deep here in a few moments. But I have uh, the the pleasure of having my friend Chris Kovac, uh, who is the uh, CEO and founder of Riverwatch Beef, with us, and he's going to talk about everything beef and beef production, and it's going to be a great conversation. So you will want to stick around for that. Uh, a reminder to our listeners and viewers, uh, and I do mention the viewer thing because this is going to be on video. Um, it's going to be on youtube channel please uh check out the video please subscribe this episode i totally expect that we're going to have some graphics that i get to show show and things like that for the different parts of the animal so that we kind of know which cuts come from where and as we talk about all that so uh make sure to check out the youtube channel uh the links for that are at theketomansclub.com and you can uh, get all of our links to social media, our merch store, which is always open now, the uh, partners that we have like SOM and like uh, NutriSense. And so I, all of our links for everything is there on the website, theketomansclub.com, uh, all of our social media. You can also email us at theketomansclub.com. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Keto man's club podcast at gmail.com. We've got both now, uh, but for podcast related keto man's club podcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can text or call 512-518-6161 to connect with us that way. We are so all over the place. It's amazing. And horrible at the same time but somehow i manage uh to to stay in connection with all that we love to hear from you um one last thing if you uh 
you or someone that you know will, would find value in our conversation today, please share this episode with them. Uh, that way we can kind of get the word out. Uh, what the, the product that Chris has is a, a really, really high quality product that, that he is, uh, that he's sharing, but he's also going to share a wealth of knowledge, uh, with us about, um, beef and, and, and everything that goes into, uh, getting beef from the farm to the table. And that's going to be uh, valuable information uh, for us. So we want to put that into as many hands as we possibly can as well. Uh, Jim, any other club news that we, we should ad address before we, uh, we dive into our shout outs? No, I think um, as uh, those who are regular listeners know, we're getting ready to cross into a thousand members of the Keto 101 Man's Club, which is great. Um, about the two year anniversary of that group being formed or just over the two year anniversary, I guess, of that. And, um, you know, lots of it. We're just we're doing really well. Uh, we talked in the last show, as Chris mentioned, we're doing two a night um, that KetoCon 2021 is being postponed till 2022. So uh, no formal meet and greet. But um, if something unofficial comes up, um, we'll announce it here on the podcast. We'll just leave yep. it at that. Yep, absolutely. We uh, we're all about trying to find something that we can use to connect. And uh, maybe, you know, <laughs> It would be unheard of to do something in the Midwest, right? Right, no. right, Jim? Uh, no. Up, <laughs> no. Come on. Come on. It's always in Texas, Chris. It's kind of our, our you know, as, as Chris waiting in the wings, it, it's uh, um, it's always our, our running joke that everything happens in Texas. So the keto well, who wants to go to Texas in August? I mean, let's be yeah. honest here. Yeah. 763 degrees is your low tonight. <laughs> It's not yeah. quite that bad, but uh, I know I know. close to. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, yeah. So absolutely, let's uh, dive into our shout-outs real quickly. Uh, Jim, go ahead and, yep. and take on yours. Carlos Salas Salas. I I don't know if I'm pronouncing the last name right. And I apologize, Carlos. He's a member of our uh, 101 Man's Club. He's been in there for quite some time now. And not a lot of transformation photos, but this guy is making some really nice keto stuff. Um, looking through some of the uh, posts that he has made and um, like braised pork and um, just uh, cheese, chicken combos and everything. And it's just beyond the um, meat and cheese kind of thing or eggs and cheese or whatever. So um, if you... I'm not friends with him on Facebook, but kind of in going through and looking for the shout out of the week, I'm like, this guy knows what he is doing. So follow Carlos on the Keto 101 Man's Club if you need some suggestions for food ideas. Very cool. Yeah, it's, we've got lots of people that are contributing to uh, that type of thing in, in both the 101 and the main group. And that's really, uh, really awesome to get to see those ideas. And and I, I'm so, you know, I'm 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 so boring. My wife hates it that that i i'm just i can literally just sit down have have uh some burger some cheese and maybe some bacon and i'm I'm good like i, I don't i could literally eat that almost every single day maybe a different cut of uh you know every now and again but you know beef, beef and cheese they're just the, it's just so good uh but it is kind of one of those things that we uh we have some members like carlos that that suggest and, and put out put out there's some really great uh, variety um, out there that that is helpful for those people that, that can't eat the same thing day in and day out. Uh, my shout out is going to go to Evan Stephen Bozaj. Uh, I, of course, I messed it up. Bozaj 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 Evan B. I'm just going to go with that. Evan B. Uh, I, I had it a minute ago, and, and I think I messed it up. Um, he uh, posted a before and after, or actually before, during, and current, uh, probably more accurately. But he, he has done a, a, an excellent job. He's trimmed off 50 pounds. Uh, he's, he's, show, he's shown uh, you know, several different pictures. He has an eventual goal of getting down into the, uh, into the 100s. But right now, he's, he's doing a really great job of being able to, to uh, just kind of get down into the low, 20, to, uh, low 200s. And really uh, mastering, uh, you know, his overall health and 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 weight and and all of that, just taking the bull by bull by the horns and really taking those steps little by little. Uh, we we don't Rome wasn't built in a day, and we took how long to build up the amount of weight that we had uh, or have, and so it's going to take a while for it to come off sometimes. And so he's on that journey, and he's doing an awesome job. So good on him. 
So I think that's it. Any other, I, I don't think there's any other business to attend to before we dive into the business at hand. So with that being said, um, again, I have the honor. I, I met Chris, uh, our guest, uh, uh, quite, quite a while ago. I, I can't even remember how long ago it started. It was, uh, was it late 20, late, late 2000s? Oh, nine. Yeah. Oh, oh, nine, yeah. oh nine, somewhere yeah. Um, so we, um, we were both kind of early on in what was called the Kansas City Social Media Club at that point. He uh, he has a marketing background, had a marketing firm in Kansas City at that time. He's still still doing some marketing work, uh, but he uh, uh, he was was part of this this fledgling club that blew up to become this huge deal now. But he has completely pivoted at this point, and he's got this amazing business that uh, we're blessed to have him get to talk about what they do um, and get to talk about all things beef, as I alluded to earlier. Uh, Chris, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, Riverwatch Beef, uh, how it kind of got its started, start, and uh, and give us give us a little introduction of, of yourself. I've covered some basics, but, but sure. go ahead and dive in a little bit deeper. Well, first, I appreciate the opportunity to join keto man club and the podcast and i think what you guys are doing in the community and all the support's really great and i'm just kind of dipping my toe in the water but uh, really appreciate the opportunity to talk to everyone and and um <clears throat> yeah so as chris said my background is in uh marketing and um my father grew up on a small family farm in eastern kansas right outside of kansas city and always had a little bit of uh, agriculture in our blood and in 2007 we found a place out in Colorado, uh, a ranch, a cattle ranch, and that was kind of his life's goal to, as he was in the process of retiring from his uh, career, to do something different. And he worked in a lot with uh, animal health and from the marketing side and so forth. So he pulled the trigger and uh, we ended up um, out near Trinidad, Colorado, which is in the so southeastern part of the state. It's right off of I-25, a beautiful part of the earth. So. Long story short, um, a, a couple different things were the genesis of Riverwatch Beef. So the ranch is actually called Riverwatch Ranch. And the reason why is his farm was uh, overlooking the Missouri River, um, kind of in between Kansas City, Kansas, and Parkville. Always loved water. And uh, the property out in Colorado was on the Purgatory River, a.k.a. Picket Wire, which is made famous in Lonesome Dove. And that was actually part of the Charles Goodnight Trail, which was the original beef runs back in heck, uh, the mid-1800s to late-1800s, probably early 1900s. So a lot of history in that part of the world. Um, one of the facts that I thought was interesting is the original uh, buffalo herds would uh, uh, eat grass there because that particular uh, part of Colorado had a bunch of nutrient-rich grass, and so it's the perfect uh, environment to raise grass-fed beef, and that's what we do. So... Um, as Chris was saying, my day job was in front of a computer, and so during vacations, I would go out and help the folks uh, uh, work the animals or um, uh, do some branding and things like that. I was not on a horse. I would probably kill myself, but I aspire to be someday. So I was just kind of trying to help and not get in the way. Uh, it's very dangerous work, actually. Um, a lot of people, the injury rate's probably 100%. A lot of people don't know that it is dangerous work, and so... Uh, the more I helped out and the more I got to meet our neighbors and friends out there, the more I really became passionate about um, about raising beef. And, of course, I had no idea what I was doing. And so the more that we – and that probably started, um, oh, you know, right after, right after the ranch and, and kind of picked up more. So basically I spent all of my free time out there helping where I could. So that was one part of it. The other part was there was a – uh, the Kansas City's oldest restaurant, which is called the Savoy downtown, and uh, actually the original cattlemen when they would do cattle drives to Kansas City would all go there and have drinks and cigars and probably misbehave a lot. So we knew the owner of that place, and we ended up giving, we processed a couple animals every year, uh, gave him some samples of some ground beef of all things, and he told my dad, he said, Pete, he said, that's some of the best beef I've ever had. He actually said that was the best ground beef he's ever had. And, you know, we were like, you got to be kidding. It had been sitting in the freezer for a year and it was butcher wrapped and, and we didn't think anything fancy. So that kind of planted a seed. 
And uh, fast forward to about four years ago, we actually took the plunge, and most people don't know that the, the a lot of family ranches and farms are, are losing their properties because um, it's very difficult to pay the bills, mainly because the beef industry is controlled by four major players, two of which are owned by Brazilian outfits. And so they're able to manipulate the market and they're not paying producers anything. And so kind of after having many losing years, I thought, you know, what if we went direct to the consumer? So we had played around with that idea. Um, as Chris and I were talking earlier this week, I knew enough to be dangerous, which is always the absolute worst amount of knowledge. And so we actually took the plunge and uh, uh, created Riverwatch Beef, which is a direct-to-consumer model. So we've been doing that for a little bit over four years, and um, uh, we're going we're gonna to keep going as long as we can. So what is what is it like in Colorado? Because I'm in southern Indiana. I grew up on a small farm. We had two or three head of cattle every year. We butchered every fall and whatnot. So what's what is your what's your secret, I guess, is the question, Chris K. Because now I have to define between Chris D and Chris K. That's just added to my stress for the night. <laughs> um, so that part of the earth is high desert. Uh, so we actually have, so in Kansas, where, where I'm kind of headquartered, and that's where I live now, um, we could get maybe one animal on an acre or two. Out there, we don't have a lot of water. So we actually had about 20 acres to one animal. And it's, it, it creates a lot of challenges because you really had to manage the land. If you overgrazed, if you had too many animals uh, in one particular pasture, it could take years and even decades for that ground to recover. So, and, and if you ever, you know, drive out to Colorado, you'll see some grass that's literally eaten down to the dirt. And so, unfortunately, uh, they weren't practicing good stewardship. So, um, it, it made it very difficult. Uh, five years ago, we actually had less than five inches of moisture. And so, trying to navigate the seasonality as well as the precipitation issues uh, was quite challenging. So, I think that would be the the biggest hurdle that we face. It's such a beautiful piece of the country. It's right against the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, and we're about 30 miles away from the mountains, but the backdrop couldn't be any better. So um, it, 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 there was a learning curve there. Uh, we did both uh, cow-calf, which means we raised baby, uh, baby calves and made them into steers or, uh, or had heifers and, and had bulls in the herd. And then we also did, um, uh, we ran yearlings, which means we would buy six-month-old animals from neighbors, and then we would put them on our grass, and then we would finish them. So we actually, um, my dad had some health issues a, a few years ago, so we actually uh, had to get rid of that property. Elevation wasn't very good. So we're restarting now in central Kansas in the Flint Hills, which comparatively is um, a lot better from a water standpoint grass in the Flint Hills, Kansas, and for folks that may not be uh, 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 you know, familiar with Kansas, it's in the central part of the state that there are some rolling hills there. It's very beautiful. But those particular grasses are some of the most nutritious grasses in the world. Uh, it's some of the best pasture land in the world. So it's, it's frankly been kind of nice to not worry about water issues, um, having green grass for most of the season, and not having to rely on hay and alfalfa. Uh, and so for people that aren't familiar with that, that just means that our neighbors would have fields that they were able to bail out in the hay. And so if we did have some issues with not having enough grass, then we would feed them that way. So uh, we've done that. It's been about a year now since we've been in Kansas, and um, we miss Colorado. I hope to be back there. I made a lot of friends out there, but we're... Uh, <clears throat> We're, we're, we're trying to learn the new land and, and the nuances. And one of the other things I'll add to that is beef tastes different based on the grasses that they're eating. And so the grasses in Colorado were actually a gram of grass, which is one of the most, my understanding is it's very high in protein, but it doesn't grow very much. And, and as you can see in my screen, you know, that means about three inches, right? And so the grass out in Kansas can grow. Heck, it can be feet if you're not grazing yep. it properly. So, um you know, that's kind of it in a nutshell. And like I said, we're still learning about uh, about Kansas and, and how to produce better beef. 
So it, it, it's pretty involved as basically the, the crux of it is that there's a lot that goes into. And I think that's if nothing else, like we're, we're going to go into the cuts and the, 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 the animal and, and the anatomy and whatnot here in a bit. But um, if nothing else, what I would love to see come from this conversation is is an appreciation and understanding uh, uh, on a uh, on a further level about what goes into the raising of these animals uh, in a in an ethical way. Because that's the other thing we've got a lot of meat eaters in our group. We you know hardcore we're carnivore to death you know type type you know scenario. And the the truth is that there's a lot of people out there that that on a on a moralistic level are you know against animal uh animal product and things like that and I, my argument with that is always well yeah there's probably a lot of animals out there that are really poorly treated uh, to raise that and i that shows in the quality of the product that it comes you know that comes out we talked a little bit about this um let and in fact let's do that now Talk to us a little bit about what a traditional beef product that you see on the grocery store floor, where that comes, you know, from how it comes about and, and, and what that uh, what that product actually has in it. And it, through my journey of being in the beef business, I've learned a lot and will continue to learn. Um, I've learned some shocking things about beef that you'll find at the grocery store or other restaurants. Um <clears throat> So there, there's really two types of beef. Actually, there's a number of ways to raise beef, but we'll focus on two for today if that's okay. There is corn-fed slash grain-fed beef, and then there's grass-fed beef. So the beef that you're going to find at the grocery store is corn-fed. Uh, typically, they're out in the field for a while, but then they move to um, crowded feed yards to get finished. Unfortunately, they just don't eat corn. So corn, number one, is very bad for cows to eat. Uh, it creates a lot of gas problems for them. They can't digest it properly. As a matter of fact, if you give them too much corn, my understanding is you can actually kill the animal. So uh, it, it's not the so bad food in and unhappy cows equals bad beef. And so you know, pasture raised animals tend to be happy, less stress, uh, free range, and and a much better product. So additionally, and. Grocery store beef can be fed Skittles, it can be fed spent grain, um, cotton candy, peanut shells, I mean, you name it, they put a whole bunch of garbage into these animals just for cheap fat. And as a matter of fact, we tried to, before we got into the retail business, we tried to sell our animals to uh, folks who are you'd probably be familiar with, and they wanted animals 30 or 40% heavier than, than we typically do them, all fat. And so, you know, it's putting profit over people, unfortunately, and it actually makes people sick. And a lot of our customers say, you know, if you, if you have a corn allergy and the animal eats corn, you're going to have some allergies with that particular meat. So I think I would encourage everyone to, to do some research on where you're buying your beef, how it's produced, and to make sure that you're buying quality meat. Additionally, there's some labeling issues that people can bring in beef animals uh, or carcasses from other countries, and then they have it processed here and it becomes labeled product of the USA. Well, if it's coming from Brazil or New Zealand or Argentina, and you can have good beef out of those regions, however, they don't have the laws that we have and you have no idea. They put hormones in it, additives, uh, GMOs, all kinds of nasty stuff. So, so there's a better way, right? And so our animals, and that's what I kind of thought. I, I thought all beef was the same. And I went to a restaurant and I had grass-fed beef. And I said, well, you know, this tastes pretty good. And we get a lot of customers that say there's a clear difference with naturally raised animals than there is with, with feed yard raised animals. So uh, our beef is free-range, pasture-fed, grass-fed, grass-finished. And that's just a fancy way of saying the beef is raised the old-fashioned way out in the pasture. And, you know, these animals uh, have acres or hundreds of acres to run around on. And they also eat the most important or they eat the most nutritious grasses. So they're not forced to eat a bunch of garbage. They're, they're very selective in what they eat. And so the outcome with grass-fed beef, and there's a whole set of issues with labeling on grass-fed beef. Again, know, your, know who you're buying from. But grass-fed and grass-finished beef tends to be a leaner product. It's probably... 
uh, 20 to 30% leaner than you would find at the grocery store, which for me is a win, not because there's less fat, but you actually get more taste out of the meat than you do the fat. And that's because of the, the grasses that the animals eat, and, and there's a flavor profile that goes along with that. So, um, you know, it's easy to find quality grass-fed beef if you're interested. Farmers markets, there's a number of folks like us who can ship it to you. Uh, we don't really have a retail store, but I think those are the two biggest differences. And, you know, that's something that we want to educate folks on. Hey, there is a better way. And, you know, let's demand better and support local processors uh, as well. So with all of those differences between the corn fed and the grass fed and everything, obviously there's a difference in the product. Is there a difference in the processing of it as well? Does it make one make harder, easier on the butchering side of things? I think they butcher about the same. So another aspect of that is dry aging. And so uh, we process out of a third generation USDA facility in central Kansas, and they're able to dry age our beef 21 days. So uh, if you've ever been typically in more, not so much high-end restaurants, but more expensive restaurants perhaps, uh, they do a lot of dry aging. And so that's a critical component to grass-fed beef. If you don't age that beef because it's a leaner meat, it won't be as tender. And as a matter of fact, on Facebook, when we're trying to say, hey, you know, we, we do beef the natural way, we have people troll us that say grass-fed beef tastes like shoe leather and, you know, it sucks and, and even worse things than that. So we're trying to educate people that those were probably old, bad cows. They probably didn't put any age on them. And so there's a big difference from that way. But if you're cutting up the, you know, the... Um, the carcasses, they process about the same. There's just much more fat in the corn-fed beef than there is grass-fed. So the um, so let, let's get into kind of the major cuts, the, the, the anatomy to a degree, um, and, and talk a little bit about that. I will throw in real quickly, I am... And, there that that you you threw out something that was that I think is really important because you've told when we talked earlier this week kind of doing a a little back and forth uh you you mentioned you Riverwatch can't currently ship everywhere as much as you would like to and so there's some states that you're not able to ship to but there are a lot of local providers I'm uh, my my wife and I are a member of 1915 Farms and we get a box every other week from them and uh, I know Berto has a local rancher that he goes and he gets what he calls Texas Wagyu it's not actually Wagyu classified but it's you know it's Texas based you know like he drives an hour picks up his his coolers and drives an hour back and and he gets you know half a half an animal quarter an animal at a time and fills his freezer that way there are local farmers ranchers that are absolutely wanting to provide quality product directly to the to the to the consumer but most of the time the consumer's not looking for that they're looking for the ease they're looking for the honestly though especially with this one that my wife and I are on it's like, oh my gosh, this is so easy. It just shows up at our door and we have a whole pile of, of and the thing that, that's nice about our, our subscription is not just beef. It's beef, it's chicken, it's pork. It's, it's a little bit of everything. And so we have a variety through that, which is something, uh, you know, we could always get a secondary subscription, get just beef, you know, to, to supplement that even further if we needed to. Luckily, it's just my wife and I, and so it provides plenty for us. Uh, but it, it's just kind of those those things there that that point to say that there are local farmers local ranchers that you can go to you can get farm fresh eggs you can get your pork you can get chicken direct from the farmers anywhere in the united states because at this point we have tech uh, technology or methodologies to make sure that that these animals stay safe and healthy year-round and uh Knowing that person, knowing that company, I feel like you know I'm 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 start I follow 1915 on their Instagram and their Facebook page and they're they're posting all the time about these animals that they're raising and you get to you get to know that this is where my my meat is coming from this is where this product that I'm going to eat is come from and they're treated well they're free range X Y and Z and it makes you feel good because you know this animal had a good life. And now they're going to be able to be sustenance to, to myself, my wife, and, and my family. And that's that's important. Tell us a little bit about the anatomy, about um, 
you know, like how much is which cut, you know, that type of thing, because that's um, that's a mystery to a lot of us. A lot of us are just used to the ground or the, you know, the ribeye. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. And, and I uh, planting a seed here. Um, I'd love to kind of get into the processing and and some bottlenecks there. And actually, uh, we just got dates for 2022 to process our animals. In other words, local processors are booking up fast. And so uh, we can come back to that. Um, one of my goals was to literally go to butcher school. And uh, you probably remember Shannon Shalafi, Chris, from the social media days. And so he connected me with a, a gentleman who does that. So this is another area where I know enough to be dangerous. And so I'm sure we're going to have butchers and people that know more about uh, the butchering aspect than I do. So please be kind uh, if I screw something up. Um, so there are different, you know, we, we actually use the entire animal. We process tongue. Um, we process uh, beef heart. We process liver. We process oxtail. So we want to make use of every single part of the animal. And actually, some of those lesser-known cuts, like oxtail, can be very, very flavorful, very, very tender. So there's really three areas of, of beef cuts that most people would be familiar with. There's steaks, there's roast, and then there's everything else, which we kind of group into assorted cuts. So uh, we'll do, if, if we can just kind of start with steaks and do top of the waves there. Because you brought samples, by the way, correct? I do. I'm eating them right now. No, I, I, <laughs> as a matter of fact, we're going <laughs> to... It's all good. It's all good. Have good Your food. only appearance on this podcast. No, I'm just <laughs> no uh, and, and Chris and I talked, and, and we're going we're gonna to get uh, you guys some, uh, some beef, and we'd love to hear your take on that. So as far as steaks, um, there's seven steaks that we process. Uh, you could process animals and have many, many different cuts, and there's all kinds of nuance to it. One of the reasons why we only do seven steaks is because the processors, um, it's kind of, they don't want to do a lot of specialty cuts, uh, especially being so backlogged. They want to do not so much the basics, but they want to do the cuts that people are familiar with. So uh, the seven steaks and kind of starting with my favorite, the bone-in ribeye, uh, that's, it, it's hard to beat a bone-in ribeye. So you have that good steak flavor. It's tender. It's probably as marbled as any steak that you'll find, maybe outside of a flat iron. So if you're looking for a little bit more fat, the ribeye is the way to go. Uh, we do bone in because why not? Um, I hate it when from other companies, when I used to order online and you get these little boneless steaks that are like five ounces, that's horrible. So all of our steaks or, or our primary steaks are 16 ounces a piece. And um, so that's the bone-in ribeye. You have the strip, which is also referred to as Kansas City strip uh, or New York. I prefer Kansas City uh, since we're in the Kansas City area. So that is a leaner. <laughs> that's a leaner steak. Um, for me, it's not quite as tender as the ribeye steak, but it's, I'm sure everyone's familiar with a strip steak. And it typically has that one layer of fat on the side. Um, the filet mignon uh, comes from the tenderloin. It's going to be your most tender steak. Uh, it's also more expensive because you, we only get about two and a half pounds of filet mignon per animal. And so you don't get a lot and there's high demand for it. But that's one of my favorites. It's very tender. Um, our steaks, because of that dry aging, uh, you can cut them with a fork. I mean, they are ridiculously tender. The filets actually will start to come apart. They're that tender. So... Um, and it's also very lean. The fillets don't necessarily have a lot of, uh, of fat on them. Uh, the, one of the top four steaks, at least as I would call it, is a sirloin steak. Um, I'm sure most people are familiar with that. It's a little bit tougher. Um, so that dry aging, again, comes into play. But it's just got that big, beefy flavor. And if you want to go to town, um, we actually had one that was a pound and a half in between my fiance and I. We found the whole thing the other day. So it's, and it's a more economical steak. It's not as expensive as ribeye strips and some of the other ones. So those are kind of the big four. And there's three ancillary steaks that I've become huge fans of. The first one's a flat iron steak. Now, are you guys familiar with that at all? Have you ever had a flat iron? Okay. Yeah. So it, it, 
it comes from uh, where the chuck comes from, where the chuck roasts. It's right underneath it. So again, we only get a couple pounds of flat iron steaks, but boy, is it marbled. They call them flat iron because they're very thin. It's probably a half inch thick uh, or so. And it's great for stir fry. We make fajitas out of it. I throw it on the grill. Uh, if it's cold outside, I'll throw it and pan fry it and cook it up in about two and a half, three minutes per side maximum, probably more like two. So it's a great economical steak. Uh, it's only been around since the early 2000. Uh, a butcher created that particular cut, and it's really caught on. You'll start to see more restaurants with the flat iron. Uh, the flank steak is another one of my favorites. It is a leaner steak and often used for um, fajitas and stir fries. Uh, you just you get that big beefy flavor there, and it's also very tender. And then finally, the skirt steak, which is also fajitas primarily, but you could also uh, grill it up as well. Our skirt steak, and that was one of the last steaks I tried, this is the most tender thing in the world, and some sites will say it's a little bit tough, um, and that may be maybe for corn-fed beef, but it's a great economical steak that you can do a lot with. Again, you can... You can stir fry a fajita and you can throw it on the grill. So that's kind of a, a steak 101. And, you know, we're working, we do have a, a basic steak guide, but we're working on more education on here are the cuts, but, but better, here's the proper way to cook it. And the other thing on the steaks, whether it's grass-fed or otherwise, uh, we like to cook them to bring them down to room temperature. So we let the steak sit out for a couple hours, you know, make sure it's room temperature. And for us, you get a better, you get a more even cook on that. It also cooks quicker, which is also nice. Um, so that would be a tip that I would have to make sure that you're not taking it right out of the fridge and throwing it, you know, on the on the on the grill, grill or skillet. So real quick, because I've never had one of these, but a few every so often a guy in our group will talk about it. These like forty-eight pound tomahawk steaks. Yes, probably not What's forty-eight pound, but yeah, you know what I mean, though. Else. I mean, it's it's a steak as big as your head, kind of thing. So, can you can you tell us what a tomahawk steak is? Simply because a lot of guys love these things. Yeah, a, a, a tomahawk steak is also known as a delmonico. I think some restaurants use delmonico, but it, it's simply a ribeye that is a monster. So you tend to have a longer bone with that particular steak. You, you, it tends to be thick. Uh, I've seen some of them that could be two and a half or three inches thick. So it's not it's not any different than a ribeye other than it's thicker. And, and I actually like to cook those from time to time because you can get that perfect medium rare center. I'm just kind of a thick cut kind of a guy. And uh, I always love gnawing on the bone too. So that's the biggest difference with that cowboy steak. Yeah, the, uh, the those those get posted anytime one of the guys get one of those, and it's usually like a birthday, an anniversary, something special. Um, I know my wife and I did one for I think our anniversary last year, um, and my wife is a fantastic cook. She's she's like gourmet in, in everything that she does. So I, I I yield all of that to her because I'm the, the typical bachelor cook that I can I can handle some some breakfast stuff and a few few basics, but I, I'm really not great at, at, at all of those. And I'm learning a little but uh, you know, for, for the big expensive cuts, I, I, I yield that complete to her. So she she cooked that up. And I think that fed us for like, two and a half days <laughs> it was it was it lasted we made and i should say we made it last but you know i probably could have gone to town and ate, ate half of it fully that night but it's a commitment like yeah it is not, you, you know it's kind of like <laughs> you you have to be hungry at least and uh, yeah yeah it, it's good stuff for sure um so let's um so like where does ground come from? The uh, and then some of the other the other cuts that that we're probably used to hearing that 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 don't fall into that steak category. What what do those uh, look like? How uh, prevalent are they? Things like that. Yeah, typically ground beef is going to come from the chuck part of the animal, uh, or it'll come from the round part of the animal. And it's hard. And I think we'll have some graphics to kind of show you where the chuck and the uh, round parts of the animal, as well as the arm roast. And so at the grocery store, you'll see uh, ground shock or ground round. Some of them don't differentiate where the ground beef comes from. But uh, I've heard some people say, oh, well, you know, doesn't some ground beef come from like the worst part of the animals? No, <laughs> uh, at least for us. So we only use premium cuts with our 
uh, ground beef, and so that's those are the two or three cuts that you'll typically find ground beef. We also do some short ribs into our ground beef, so if the short rib is a little bit leaner or it's not enough meat that we feel comfortable with selling, we'll turn those into ground beef, and, and sometimes some trimmings off of the sirloin uh, and some other premium cuts. So it's kind of a we don't differentiate one from the other. They're all packaged together. So, But they tend to be, at least our ground beef tends to be, I would say, higher end cuts other than just whatever's left over. That That is kind of one of those things that a lot of people, a lot of beef producers, they, you, you, you get these little bits and it's like gristly and like, you're like, what is this? You know, is this, you know, which part of the animal did this come from? And of course there's, uh, what is it called mash or there, there's, there's rumor that there's like sludge, you know, that's being added to some of these tube beef. And I, I say rumor because I, I don't have any, any way to substantiate any of that, but it is one of those things that you get a little bit of this mystery meat aspect to some of these, these cheaper beef products that makes you go, okay, is this, is this legit? Like, is this good? Especially from out of country, I've heard, and you can Google it for yourself, but, um, some beef coming in internationally is actually cut with horse meat, uh, which who wants to feed a horse? I don't. Um, so again, it, it's and if you go to if you go to to good providers' websites, they'll tell you exactly how they process the animal. Or go to their corporate website. Uh, but there are some, uh, especially owned by the bigger companies, they won't tell you, and and you really don't know what's in there, which is unfortunate. Hmm. This is fascinating. This is, yeah, yeah. So we talked about the steaks. We talked about the ground beef. What else What else was on your list of things to share about the cuts? Yeah, some roast. So uh, not to pick on my mom, and she was a, a single mother, and she did her best. But every time she made a roast, God love her, it never turned out very well. And so I always thought of beef roast as, like, totally crappy. And, <laughs> uh, you know, like, like the last thing I wrote, like, this is just not very good but i can i can still hear you so hopefully you'll come back can you still hear me jim yeah okay fantastic so we'll keep pushing on um so we do five different roasts and they have different nuances and the same mistakes and and i've actually become a huge uh proponent of roast they're economical if you it's slow and low right um, so you, you throw that thing in a crock pot or uh, a pot roast kind of recipe, it's so tender. It's fork tender and you can literally uh, uh, work the meat uh, without even cutting it. So there's a couple of different roasts I want to go over, about five. The first one is the arm roast. So an arm roast, I've actually had customers say it's the poor man's prime rib. Uh, and I actually have customers that have smoked it. Um, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll slow roast it, they'll crock pot it. There's a number of different ways to cook it, but it is a leaner roast. Um, you can make uh, roast beef from it. You can make all kinds of different dishes. We know people actually use it for stir fry because it's so lean. So it's a great economical roast. The arm roast tends to come from kind of the, the upper legs of the animal, um, and great cut. Uh, the brisket, I'm sure uh, as barbecue aficionados know, uh, especially in Texas, right, Chris? And we'll have to have a, a Texas barbecue versus a Kansas City barbecue debate at some point. But uh, <laughs> the brisket is um, perfect for smoking. You can do all kinds of, you can make corned beef out of it. You can make pastrami. And uh, so it's got a good amount of marble. Um, and it's just got just that that wonderful, robust flavor that I like. It's very difficult. I shouldn't say very difficult, but it's it's not the easiest thing to cook, and there's some finesse behind it. And, and again, we're going to create some recipes. I've got a chef buddy who's going to help out to say, okay, if you've never done a brisket before, here's the best way to smoke it. Here's the best way to just throw it in the oven and, uh, and actually have some specific recipes on that. Uh, the chuck roast is very popular. Uh, the difference between a chuck and an arm roast, they're similar, but a chuck roast has a lot of marbling on it. So again, if you're looking for that fat content, the chuck roast is the way to go. All that fat will will make it that much more tender. And again, not to throw my mom, but it, it's pretty hard to, to screw up a chuck roast. So you can go on the internet, you can find some recipes. 
easy to make, low maintenance, pot roast, uh, slow cooker. Uh, we want to smoke it too, just to do some experimentation, but great economical cut. Um, uh, we also have the rump roast, which is kind of in between, at least in my opinion, the arm roast and the chuck. So you get, you get a medium amount of marbling, um, but it's not as lean as the arm roast and not as fatty as the chuck roast. And then finally, a sirloin tip roast, which is a leaner roast. It's, uh, it's got a good fat cap on it typically. Um, and that's great for doing roast beef and, uh, uh, you can, you can slow cook it too. So those are the five roasts and, and I don't think you'd find other cuts from any butchers. So if you go to the grocery store, you can kind of say, okay, you know, do I want a, a, a more marbled, fattier? Do I want lean? What do I want to do with it? And again, there's a number of different recipes online that you can figure out what's best for you. So when you're talking about the fat and the marbling and whatnot, <clears throat> excuse me, it, does it, I mean, obviously it's recipe dependent, I would assume, but also, you know, if you're putting in something that doesn't have as much fat, you know, are you adding more water? Are you adding butter? Are you adding things that will help, you know, keep things moist in the process or whatever? I mean, how do you, how do you kind of figure that out when you're standing or you're, when you're choosing the options you've got in front of you? You know, uh, to be honest, I'm still working that out as to how to make a, a sirloin tip roast, which may be you know, how to make it maintain its juices, how to make it juicy. Um, I'm kind of like Chris, you know, kind of the bachelor way of cooking. And so I just throw a rub on it and uh, find a, a recipe online, throw it in the oven and just kind of experiment. So the one thing that I have noticed with, with grass fed beef and mainer beef and, and dry aged beef in particular is I dial down the, the cooking time. So if there's a if there's a quick roast at 75 minutes, I may take that down to 60 minutes or maybe even 55, let it rest to make sure that uh, it's it's more medium rare, maybe getting into medium. The one thing with grass-fed beef is it, it's similar to like wild salmon. You, you don't want to dry it out. You don't want to overcook it. So if anything, meat thermometers, um, we're big fans of those. And so take it out, do a temp check on it. And see, and they'll also continue to cook too. So if it's up to temperature, you want to take that out, or if it's close to temperature. So that's a great way. And heck, if it's not quite there, throw it back in for a few minutes and just kind of keep your eye on it. So, Chris, let's let's. We normally ask what people's favorite keto food is. What is your favorite cut? Or like, this is the one time that that a steak is kind of okay. Our general rule is your, your favorite keto food can't be steak uh, because that would be the same for all of us. But right. what, what's your favorite meal to make uh, that's beef-based? It's hard to beat steak on a grill, a ribeye. But, um, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, uh, a chuck roast or or economical cuts that, you know, that, that and, and how to, how to, experiment and make things better because it's blue sky for me you know i've only been cooking those particular roasts for a few years now so chuck roasts are just phenomenal they're versatile um my goal is to get in the, to brisket and to prepare that different ways um, i would think some other cuts that i'm a big fan of uh short ribs and they've got some really good marbling on them uh that's something that that we cook a lot just throw them in the crock pot for a few hours with some other ingredients and bam you know easy uh, and you can also smoke those there's a barbecue restaurant in kansas city called jack stack and they've got crown prime beef so it's actually prime beef um and and boy they're ridiculously good so i'm a big fan right now of short ribs and uh and uh, the chuck roast the other thing that we're starting to cook is oxtail have you guys mm -hmm. ever had oxtail I, we have. It actually comes in our box every now and again. We've had uh, okay. my my wife has made uh, it a couple times, is, and a couple different variations. Um, it's wonderful. And it's, then frozen it's again. Crazy tender. Um, I've also heard some customers say beef tongue mm -hmm. is ridiculously good. Um, I have the, not the Hispanics would call it call it lingua. I believe. Oh, well, that's um, that would make yeah, sense. and that's actually a traditional traditional Mexican thing that they they make that in tripas. But you know that's <laughs> and it's amazing. The, and beef heart. I've got a customer that mm -hmm. smokes beef heart. He swears by. Mm -hmm. it. So I, I've had beef heart, uh, uh, beef heart, or actually no elk heart, um, wow. elk heart uh, meatloaf. 
we made it into a meatloaf. Was, it, we kind of had to, it came to us pre-sliced. We were going to make the whole thing and, and all that, but it came to us sliced. And so uh, and we, we kind of pivoted and made a meatloaf out of it. It was really good, actually. Uh, we, but yeah, it's very rich, very um, irony. Um, very, very good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the alternating uh, dresses that, uh, that are leafy. Sorry, Jim. No, you're fine. I was just going to say, we had a guest on and Chris D may remember his name because I'm it's escaping me right now, but he did this uh, werewolf meat, he called it, that was a combination of like beef heart and liver and I mean, like four or five different things. And just like, I, I, I don't think I can do that. I just don't think I can do that. Maybe if I yeah. don't know what I'm eating and I'm in the group of people that just like, we're all doing it at the same time, one, two, three, maybe, but eh, it's going to take some, it's going to take some arm twisting. I've got customers who, and we don't do it yet, but want ground organ meat in their ground beef, and maybe it's 20% or 30%, and the nutritional value in organ is just exponential. Um, right. So I think you're going to see more of that. Again, it's how do we use every part of the animal? How do we make this sustainable? Um, so maybe the next time we chat, we can do some experimenting, and uh, yeah. I don't know, I'd be anxious to see that. Yeah, I actually, the, the first time that I ever tried doing strict carnivore to get some of that organ meat in, I ended up I food processing. I didn't even grind it properly. I, I food processed liver into my typical ground beef that I get from the store. And I could barely tell that it was there. You know, it did give it a little bit of a, of a uh, texture and a little bit of a, uh, a little richer flavor. But it wasn't bad by any means, and it just was more beefy. Um, the so that that's a, a great way to go, uh, Jim. The person that you're thinking of is Randall Johnson. Uh, Thank you. He Thank uh, you. he he did the werewolf ground. That he uh, is 10 percent beef liver, 40 percent beef heart, and 50 percent ground beef. And um, he he has his own, his local butcher shop do that. And I think I that's one of the other questions I was thinking about earlier is how. Um, do most of these local butcher shops, like what I have down the street here in Hutto, do they get their stuff from the big distribution houses or are they getting it from, you know, or does it just vary? Both. Uh, it just depends. So going back to the processing issue, the the processors are so backed up. It, it's If you remember the movie Rocky, now we're, we're maybe dating ourselves and he was kind of punching the sides of beef. At those local butcher shops, typically they'll get sides of beef. They're already processed at that point. I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna do a, a kill on an animal, uh, and they can get it from U.S. Foods or some of the other uh, food distribution services, um, or that they can find a farmer. But again, it's well, I had a USDA inspector come to our office, and that's where we kind of uh, keep finished beef. And he said, "I'm shocked you have anything in stock," and so. You know, that's the biggest problem that, that, that butchers that may have had access to local products may have to buy from somebody else. So going back, ask them. They'll, they'll tell you, hey, did mm-hmm. this come from a local producer? Did it come from a regional producer? Did you get it just kind of a one-size-fits-all? And so, and then they would process at their, and they would do all the custom cuts. And so they would turn it into the steaks and rice. Yeah. So, so they'd get, normally the local butcher shops that not the non-grocery store butcher shops would get a, a you know, a half, half a cow cut down the middle or whatnot, hang up in the back. And then they cut off what they need to and, and make their own cuts for that. Yes. And they may age it. So they may age the steaks. They'll do wet aging or perhaps dry aging. The issue with aging is you have to have a big facility to age. And that's why it's hard to find in big cities. And so again, if you ask them, Hey, are you putting any age on this or is it aged hanging? Cause the aging really, really does make a big difference, whether it's mm-hmm. corn fed or, or grass fed. So you know, just ask them, and they'll they'll be a good uh, concierge, if you will, and kind of direct you to the right, you know, what you're looking for, and not sell you sure. something that you have no idea what it is. Yeah, I um, I don't do a good enough job of going to our local local butcher, and of course now I don't need to as much because of having the the access to the the mail order stuff. But uh, that that is something that I, I like doing and and going and, and getting that that connection to at least a small business, you know, regardless of where they're getting it, it's a small business. And so I think that's a, uh, a good thing that, that we can, we can do to support yeah, those. And, those, and, and quick uh, shout out, there's shops. a place called Broadway Butcher in Kansas City and, you know, they don't ship or anything, but, but they, that's where I used to buy all my beef and it is more expensive in, in 
perhaps significantly more expensive than your local butcher, but they're doing it the right way. They have real butchers, and so there is a premium to some products, but I would encourage us to support local uh, stores that do that, and they just did a great job, and they were very inspirational, and, and so they're starting to carry our uh, almost world-famous beef jerky here this year, and we got into that last year, so... Um, we didn't really talk about the beef jerky, but no, that's another haven't. thing that you can take great cuts and you can turn it into great on the go food uh, that's very nutritious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, it, it, that it, it, correct me if, if I'm wrong. You guys got it into that is with the Chiefs or the Royals. I, I, I well, we, we I can say this, that um, we've got a local Kansas City baseball team that wears blue. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but, um, yeah, so they gave us a try and, um, the players in particular. So they've been buying case after case after case. And what they told me was that the, the jerky that they were buying from other food service and the well-recognized brands was crap and they were looking for a natural product. And these, these folks seem to be addicted to it. Uh, and I also take credit for any uh, win streaks this year. Uh, of course, baseball yeah. team as well. Uh, we're going to take all the credit for that. So hey, we'll take it. Yeah, we'll, we'll take it. Any any anything that we can get. There. It'll be 2015 um, all over again. I promise. <laughs> hey, hey, we'll take it. That that uh, I've got my uh, I don't have the World Series hat here. I've got my World Series hat over my other office. Uh, but yeah, I, I've got my uh, my Royals hats over over there. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it's 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 great to see that you as a local provider are getting to to get out there and, and provide highly nutritious um we we've had a specialist um in ruminant animals come on and talk about what makes uh beef or or lamb or, or ruminant animals different than other and how they're good for the uh, environment and so we won't rehash all of that but they are very definitely good good or better for the environment than than a lot of the uh the warehoused beef if if you will um and and so we, we've had that conversation it's good to, to get to meet one of those beef uh, producers go ahead and shout uh shout out how people can connect with you um and all of those things and then you've also been gracious enough to to link uh, to hook us up with a discount code um, sure. for uh, a, you know f- at your website so that we can um, get ten percent off for any of the the listeners to to order Keto Man's Club at yes. checkout, right? Correct. And so you can um, our website is riverwatchbeef.com. And we're, we're fairly active on Facebook. Uh, we're, we're a small family company, so we're a father-son company. And, and we're on Instagram and we're on Twitter and some of the other social networks. But primarily it's Facebook for right now just as a function of time. So um, come to our website. I'm, I pick up the phone. I'm the only person that answers the phone. I get any. So if you have any questions, uh, even if you're not, you know, even if we're, you don't need to order from us for us to, to answer questions. So we're happy to um, be a, a resource for folks that want to learn more about grass-fed beef or maybe a particular cut. Um, as well, you can find me on social media, um, Chris Kovac, K-O-V as in Victor A-C. I uh, love to meet people. As a matter of fact, um, the, the couple thousand customers that we've had over the last four years, it's been really awesome to Um, make friends with people. We had an elderly customer. She actually wanted me to put the beef in her freezer because she couldn't lift up, you know, more than a couple pounds. So um, it's been, it's been great to meet new people and, uh, and they're helping us get the word out. So we do a little bit of advertising, but it's really referrals that friends and neighbors are saying, Hey, you know, we found a producer and a lot of people that used to have access to a half cow, quarter cow, full cow, it's simply not available anymore. So, um, you know, we try to have that and even do 10-pound increments if, if people don't have big freezers. So, uh, but yeah, uh, look us up on, on, uh, on the web and you can read our reviews. Knock on wood, we've got um, 100% five-star reviews and about 70 or 80 people across all the platforms right now. And yes, uh, Keto Man's Club, uh, put that in the checkout. And we'll also throw in an additional gift um, uh, for folks if you use that either some gourmet French sea salt or meat thermometer so that you can always cook that meat to the perfect temperature. 
Oh, that's that's awesome. Thank you so very much. Um, we're we're going to have to get you in the group, even though you, you may or may not eat, eat keto. We're, we'll get you in the group and, and have you interact because you, you definitely are going to uh, to like our people. You're, you're one of us, at least in, in this regard. So we definitely want you to to get in, in the group and, and be involved. Uh, I think that you'll 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 fit in nicely. And so I've been watching and, and so I haven't participated yet, but I've seen what other people have been posting. And, and it's inspirational to me because. When you're running around and, you know, from time to time, at least for me, I eat crap food and I'm, I'm, I look down shamefully saying, you know, here I am in the nutritious food business and I'm eating this crap. So it's good support to, hey, even when things are rough, don't don't give in to temptation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's such a such a great tribe that we've we've uh gotten jim got us all started on that and we're we're all thankful for it and kudos to you guys for putting together such a great community yeah uh jim any other questions before we uh we let chris go on with his night i am i am drooling inside looking at the website right now (laughs) so um yeah there may be an order placed here shortly no this has been awesome i've been wanting to do something like this for a while and um definitely want to have you back um because i yeah this is just this is very cool and um kudos on the family business and everything man i hope uh we're trying it's a good year for you yeah and just uh you know find local providers um you know search the web farmers markets but there is a lot of high quality food out there you may have to to hunt around a little bit but it's there yeah. Um, and and you, Riverwatch does ship. Uh, I want to reiterate that. So so Riverwatch does ship um, at a lot of states, but there's there's some states because of the, the shipping companies themselves having issues um, that, yeah, that they're not able to reach everybody. Right. Yeah, correct. So COVID created some bottlenecks there. We used to ship to all lower 48 states right now where we don't ship to the east or west coast for the most part, but um, Colorado to uh, Maryland and then. Um, Gulf states, uh, uh, yes, North Dakota down to Texas. So okay. uh, hopefully by the end of the year we can expand that to all 48 states. But it says very clearly on our website who we're shipping to, and and cool. hopefully we resume. Hopefully we all resume the normal soon. Very cool. Yeah, that would be great. Um, and I guess maybe one other question before we let you go: What can people do other than supporting their local farmers to try to to push for more? local processing or, you know, those types of things, Mm. what can we do as, as consumers other than vote Mm. vote with our dollars? That's always a good good thing to do. What, what other things can we do to get the word out? Uh, I would say, yeah, that's a great question. Um, There was a article in Bloomberg that came out about five years ago that said there's a huge shortage of natural process or, 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 uh, or small processors because um, back in the day they used to be they used to be everywhere and now not so much. So if you hear of a new place, support them. Um, you know, talk to people in your communities, whether it's Facebook or others. Uh, and you know, if you uh, we're starting to see more family processors like us. As a matter of fact, we're looking to uh, perhaps build a processing facility um, so that we're not relying on other people. So I think you're going to see a renaissance in this business. Mm-hmm and that you're going to see more local processors available. And that's actually backflowed into pork and chicken as well, because we get asked, hey, do you know anyone who's doing really good pork or heritage pork? And and no, because it's hard with the processors. So, mm-hmm. and, and read the About Us, you know, do a deeper dive on their website and see, are they using regional or smaller processes or processors, I should say, and, and support those guys. So, Hopefully that will, and there's a number of them in Kansas, and I'm actually supporting them trying to get the word out, and there's ones in, in Kentucky that are going online. So that's that's great to see for everybody. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you again for joining us. Very educational, very uh, very helpful, I think. Um, what, we, what, what goes in will come out or stick around as we found. Um, and, uh, and so putting good high quality, uh, food into our system is, is definitely something that that's paramount and knowing what it is and who, who made it is, is a big deal. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Um, any other business to attend to Jim? No, no. Berto missed a great one though. This one. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I love this. We'll get you back on. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. I think so. And what a, what a great conversation. You know, I just I just 
I have a passion for it. I'm really channeling the passion of our friends and family who help us do this. And it's great to talk to you guys who are also excited about it because it is cool, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, a reminder to our listeners and viewers, um, check out, uh, as Chris alluded, I'm going to put in in some graphics as best as I can to show the different parts of the the animal and things like that when we were talking about that so that you have some some supporting visuals to go along with that. So check out the YouTube channel, subscribe so you don't miss an episode there. Also, you can uh, visit... um, our website, theketomansclub.com to find the link to that, to make that easy. And um, really it's, uh, you just got all the ways to connect with us there. So please do so. We look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you in those days. Until next week, make sure to eat meat, lift heavy, sleep, and repeat. Mm-hmm.